right, we're back for another episode. Hey, and today uh, we're going to deal with some religious objections to diet and exercise. Um, I hate to break this to you, but believe it or not, um, Christians can often be the most critical uh, group of people you'd ever meet. Now, not all Christians, of course, but um, you know, if you ever post anything or start anything online, you know that oftentimes there are lots of religious people that have lots of religious objections to them. So if you start a, uh, a website or uh, an Instagram or a, a YouTube channel around biblical, biblically-based health and wellness, you best believe there are going to be some Christians and some naysayers out there. And so I've collected a good chunk of their uh, their objections. And believe it or not, there are negative Christians out there uh, that exist. And uh, it's, again, hard to believe. Not just your Aunt Edna at uh, Thanksgiving dinner. They exist all over the place. And as it relates to the body and as it relates to wellness and health, they are out there in spades. So to set the stage, let me give you, um, let me tell you a little story I think will will be helpful. So um, I got drafted in the NFL in 2009. And um, before that, I injured my knee playing college football. And in the middle of that, I hit this really crazy existential crisis. So it's great that God met me in the midst of this, and he did. But I, all of a sudden, I wanted to, to read more books, to study the Bible more, to listen to more. Um, at the time, there weren't really podcasts, but like MP3s and stuff about Jesus and learning more and concordances and commentaries. I'm just all over the place reading the, reading the scriptures, and I, and I absolutely loved it. Um, but the problem was once I started getting healthy enough, I didn't want to go back to playing football. So I was in the midst of getting drafted or at least in the process leading up to the draft. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to play anymore, um, because I wanted to go be a pastor, um, which is great. I'm a pastor now. I've been a pastor for a long time. Um, but at that moment that threw a lot of people for a loop and I really, I really believed the lie that I think most people that have objections to, uh, biblically based health and wellness do believe also. And it's that if I'm focused in on the spiritual, then I can't be focused in on the physical or vice versa. And I believed in that. And it wasn't until a mentor said, Hey, listen, ministry is always going to be there for you. That I actually sort of, once that sunk in, then I was like, Oh, I could do ministry later. Go figure. It seems silly now. And I could play football now. Um, that I actually was able to settle in and be where I was and actually have a, a decent uh, football career for myself. Um, that's the thing I think a lot of us miss is that, you know, you actually can just be a Christian playing football. You don't have to, uh, you don't have to be some, become some sort of priest instead of playing football in order to stay a Christian. And I think a lot of us believe in, uh, some of these similar lifestyle choices and lies as well. It turns out that as a an NFL player, you can still get involved in a church. You can still lead small groups. You can still serve on teams in the church. You can still serve at soup kitchens and donate to charity and give your tithe. You can still actually even preach, um, and you can do those things. And you know and that maybe that was just my own misunderstanding, but I think that belief that the spiritual and the physical world have to be separate. Um, and we're going to trace a little bit of that history, which I've done in previous podcasts. I want to remind you of it if you haven't listened to those. Um, I, I think that history bleeds into the reason why we have such like vehement object objections to the Christian faith and being healthy at the same time. So let me go through five of the most common ones that I've been getting recently, and then we'll kind of go through them. So the first is what I just explained. 
if I choose physical health, then I'm sort of choosing physical health over God. Like God needs to be my number one priority. And if I choose physical health, he's no longer my number one priority. Okay. There's so many things wrong with that statement that I've read in comments on YouTube and comments on Instagram that it's just, there's so many things. So where do we even start? First, um, if you think um, that uh, you working out and eating healthy is you choosing um, uh, physical health, quote unquote, over God, as if you're going to be some sort of immediate idolater just for eating healthy, then I would consider how you've become an idolater on the other side of that. And how your body your, or is making excuses and your mind's making excuses for living a sedentary lifestyle and eating like trash. Because uh, it turns out you can be an idolater, not just like Arnold Schwarzenegger, like a bodybuilder, but you can also be an idolater as, as someone who um, doesn't take care of themselves. I think far more of us are closer to that than we are closer to um, becoming some sort of like idolater by eating healthy and caring too much about what we eat. Mm-hmm. Second thing. Again, the fact that you think, or not you, but, you know, in theory, who else, who's the you, the, the um, let's call this person uh, John, okay? The fact that John believes that, um, sorry if your name's John, by the way, <laughs> the fact that you believe, hey, if I care about my physical health, but not, I- I'm immediately canceling out my relationship with God, <clears throat> is a Gnostic idea that bring, that has roots way back to the third and fourth century. Again, I've talked a lot about Nancy Pierce's book, Love Thy Body. It's a great book, but she talks a lot about this fact-value split in society um, that's come about where we've essentially taken you know, uh, ideas and thoughts and have completely separated them from the physical spirit, meaning that the personhood, the person, the soul, and the, and the spirit of a person is totally distinct from its body. And you see that play out in society in a number of ways, right? You see that play out in abortion, right? The body is separate from the person. It's not a person yet. It's just a clump of cells. We see it play out in euthanasia, right? Not easy things. Like, well, when is when is this body no longer a person and we can sort of just like get rid of it? We see it play itself out in sexual promiscuity, right? It's just sex, right? Something like that. We see it play out in food. Well, you know, who cares? It's just a meal, right? Like I still love Jesus sort of thing. Or I don't want to get I don't want to be worried too much about what I eat because I, I want to be praying instead, right? There's these sort of weird <clears throat> arbitrary lines that we draw um, that have separated um, the person from the body, the fact from the value, and physical health from my spiritual life. And this idea stems from this idea of Gnosticism, again, back at, back in the 3rd and 4th century. And this was an ancient pagan belief Um <clears throat> way back in the day that said that thing that essentially said that evil sin and all brokenness come from the physical world. Essentially the spiritual world is good and the physical world was evil. Um, Nancy Piercy says that essentially created creation as a kind of fall from the soul, fall of the soul from a higher spiritual realm into a corrupt material realm. So if you say something like, it doesn't matter what I eat, it doesn't really matter what I do with my body as long as I love Jesus. Essentially, you've been implementing some uh, a principle from Gnostic roots that they're separate, right? And <clears throat> and they Gnostics also believe that when Jesus came back um, from the dead, that he came back um, in, in a physical body, but that body really wasn't physical. It was like more of like a spiritual illusion because again... Uh, Jesus wouldn't have come back in a physical body because the physical body was uh, essentially uh, 
a symbol of evil. It was a symbol of a broken, fallen world. We kind of believe that when we think, if I don't care about my physical health, I don't care about my physical health because I need to focus on my spiritual health. Um, that's a that's an implementation of essentially a Gnostic worldview. And I don't want that for you because it's incorrect. Because God made you in his image. Mind, body, and spirit. All three things. <clears throat> and Jesus Christ paid for your sins with his body. He shed his blood for you. And guess what happens in the new creation, in New Jerusalem? One day, you're going to come back in a physical body as well. Furthermore, it, it's really silly to think that God doesn't want you to take care of yourself. So like, if I'm taking care of my physical body, um, all of a sudden, I, I, I'm not being spiritual. I need to be praying more or something. So then what? So just, so just eat Pop-Tarts? So just eat Pop-Tarts? Like, what are you going to eat? You're going to make a choice to eat something, right? So you might as well eat something healthy that's going to preserve your body that nourishes you and preserves you for the long haul. So don't, don't give me the like, well, like whole, you know, if I choose physical health, you know, then I'm not, cho I'm choosing my health over God. Okay. So then you should just what eat tacos all day. You got to eat something. So let's, sometimes I feel like that's more of an excuse rather than like a really legitimate reason why you're not being healthy. I, I just have a hard time believing <clears throat> there is a group of people out there going, man, I really want to exercise right now. I really want to eat this salad. I really want to eat a delicious grass-fed steak and I want to eat some eggs instead of, you know, this microwave oatmeal and, and berries and syrup. But I feel like I need to worship God instead. So I'm just going to pour a bowl of crunch berries. Like, I'm just not buying that. I'm not buying that that's really out there. All right, here's the second objection, and it's a quote from Jesus. Matthew 15, 11, it says, What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth is what defiles them. Okay, great. I think that I agree with whatever Jesus says, but I think we also need to take a look at the context of what he's talking about, okay? He's talking to the Pharisees here. And he, and I'll give you the context. There's a verse 10. It says, and he called the people to him and said, hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles this person. He's responding this idea. When the Pharisees came up to Jesus and said, his disciples, they don't wash their hands when they eat. And because he's, they're talking about spiritually uncleanliness, right? They need to be spiritually clean. When I suggest that someone eat healthy, I am not suggesting that they are now ceremonially unclean for eating junk food. No, I'm not doing that, okay? I, I, for, and we can have a whole discussion about the new covenant and, and yada, yada, yada. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm saying that you got to eat anyway. So what junk are you eating? I'm not suggesting that you eating Oreos defiles you and makes you unclean before God. I'm saying it makes you fat, sick, and unhealthy. Okay, that's all I'm saying. So quoting a, a verse that's related to being, a, a, that's challenging the Jesus and the disciples on their ceremonial uncleanliness by the Pharisees um, and, and applying that to me saying, you gotta be healthy, making healthy decisions is foolish. It's foolish of the highest order. It's basically just going to Google and typing verse against physical health. And then this pops up and you go, see, it's it's taking no context, no context at bay, none. 
Will you be ceremonial unclean, ceremonially unclean if you eat Oreos? No. Are you? Would you be ceremonial unclean today if you eat pork? No. Because Jesus comes, the new covenant, right? We can eat all of these different things now, and you're totally fine before God. Now, there still can be sin with gluttony and all that stuff, but the type of food you eat doesn't make you unclean before God, and then you need to go through a ceremonial purification process like the Levites had to do. And That's not what's happening here. I'm saying that you're going to eat anyway. What are you going to eat? So when you read that, do you go, or when one person reads that, do they go, oh, I'll just eat whatever I want now. I'll just eat whatever. It says I could eat whatever. Do you read When you read that verse, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of the mouth is what defiles them. Does, does you take that to mean I should just be able to order Domino's pizza and eat whatever I want? Because that's not what it meant. What he meant was, what Jesus means is that the heart is what determines your uncleanliness before God. All of the law is is actually found in the heart. You can see it back all the way back to the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says it's not... You know, it's the person that commits lust in his heart has already committed adultery with his woman. God is looking at the heart. He is not, he is not looking at purely behavior. Okay. That's what he means when he's talking about, he's saying that it's what comes out. It's what, it's what you say. It's who you are. It's the type of behavior you spit. It's who, it's what your essence is that makes you unclean, not what you eat. And that's why eventually in Acts chapter 10, we see that, all of these animals are now unclean. What, what God calls clean, do not call unclean. We see that in Acts chapter 10, and that's why we're allowed to eat some of these things in New Covenant Christianity. So, But but trying to make that up, apply to you not eating junk food so you can justify eating trash is foolish, and it's silly, and it's a, it's a bad exegesis, and it's all of those things. And most importantly, it's poor health, and it's killing you, okay? That's the second objection. Third objection. If I start to eat healthy then I'll be all bulky and shredded. And I don't want that because that's vanity. Okay. I think this is an interesting objection. I think it's important that we care about being too vain. I think that's very important. I think you see a lot of vanity, especially in Christian circles, you know, evangelicalism, pop culture, evangelicalism, preachers and sneakers, prophets and watches and stuff like that. You see a lot of that, particularly in an Instagram society that we're in now. So it's important to care about vanity. But if I start to eat healthy, I'll be bulky and shredded. And I don't want that because that's vanity. That's silly. Okay. First of all, you don't accidentally become shredded, ripped, and bulky. <laughs> right? Arnold Schwarzenegger has the great quote. Someone says, Arnold, I don't want to train with you because I'll end up being too big like you. And he says, don't worry. You never will. Because you don't accidentally become Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right? in a pose or the rock. You don't actually end up looking like the rock. It takes a lot of effort and time and energy to do that. And oftentimes, yes, people do become vain in that space. But trust me, if you're asking this question, you're in no danger of, of becoming a vain in that way. If you start to eat healthy, you'll become bulky and shredded is, is silly. In fact, what will happen is probably you'll look a lot smaller, right? You'll lose a lot of body fat. You may lose a little bit of muscle if you're not eating enough protein. Um, and you'll start to look better and you'll feel better and you'll sleep better and you'll live better. And guess what? You'll have more energy for God's calling on your life. Those are all positive things. Those aren't negative things. Those are positive. So I, I would say you're probably not in danger of becoming too vain if you're asking this question. And in fact, most people are in danger of uh, poor stewardship rather than they are vanity because that's the other side of the coin, of the vanity coin. The other side of the vanity coin is I've become 
someone who doesn't care about the vessel God has given me. Um, I know I was bought with a price. I know first Corinthians six says to honor God with my body, but I'm not doing that. Um, and, uh, because I'm afraid of vanity. So just eat tacos at the taco truck. Um, by the way, I love tacos in the right context with the right types of food and the right types of ingredients. But <clears throat> just to say, um, you know, I, I don't work out and I don't eat healthy because it's vain, um, is to say, I don't care about my body and I don't care about my longevity. And that's why chronic disease is rampant. And that's why hundred million Americans are diabetic and another 60 million are pre-diabetic. Um, that's why we are in the health crisis we're in. That's why chronic disease is what it is. And that's why big pharma is preying upon you, um, is because you have a mindset that has, separated the physical from the spiritual and that's just not a thing god wants you to care about your body he gave it for you c.s lewis says god loves matter because he invented it i guess i'll rest my case there fourth objection jesus never told us the exercise jesus never told us the exercise this is my favorite objection Jesus never told you to play on your iPhone, but there you are, right? Maybe you're watching this on your iPod, iPhone or your laptop. Jesus never told you to, to work from a computer screen. Jesus never told you to put your seatbelt on, so you should, should you just not do it? Guys, the Bible gives timeless principles, but it's set in its own context, in its own, it's set in, it's particularly in the Gospels, first century, Middle East, ancient Jerusalem, Israelites, right? Roman empire. It's not set in 2023, 2024, 2027, whenever you're listening to this podcast. Um, it's not set in that year. So keep in mind that the Bible's not going to speak to certain things that didn't apply. What do I mean by that? As it relates to exercise, Jesus didn't address exercise because sedentary lifestyles weren't a thing. Today in a modern United, modern Western culture, we sit all day um, we work from computer screens and phones, we hunch over, we rarely move, and we have food that has been genetically modified, genetically engineered for your, uh, for your cravings and for economic value over health and wellness. Jesus didn't have to deal with that. In fact, meals were few and far between, and even in an agrarian society, you had to grow your own food, which required exercise. So the concept of exercise wasn't as necessary as it is today. I mean, you think about just use some common words today that Jesus would have never used. Like the word real, an Instagram reel, Instagram, laptop, iPhone, cell phone, television, uh, sedentary, <laughs> like think about treadmill. That would have been a ridiculous thing to Jesus. So wait, you want me to get on a treadmill? You want to walk, but not go anywhere? Why would I do that? Well, just then you, when you're done walking in place for three or four miles, then you get off and get in your car and drive to where you really want to go. You say, well, why wouldn't I just walk? Yeah, it's a funny question that anyone should ask. So all that to say, Jesus addressed the, um, addressed the, the typical problems that he saw. He saw lots of issues with the tax collectors um, the or sorry, the sorry, the money changers in the temples. He addressed those. He saw religious fundamentalism. He addressed that. He he addressed the issues that he saw before him, and his principles can still apply. Um, exercise is a needing exercise is a very much a modern problem because of um, 
other modern problems we cause with our food and with our lifestyles, okay? So Jesus isn't going to tell you to exercise like he's not going to tell you to wear your seatbelt. All right, here's the last objection. It comes from 1 Timothy 5.8. Sometimes people just quote a verse, cherry pluck it, and then put it in a comment and then go, there's the, there it is. There's the trump card. The verse is uh, 1 Timothy 4.8, uh, sorry, uh, for while bodily uh, training is of some value, Godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Amen. Totally agree with that. It just is not talking about exercise, right? And my favorite is when they quote it out of the King James. <laughs> this is typical uh, because it says it like this. For bodily exercise profit profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. It sounds more holy that way. Um, and they like the way it says where bodily exercise profiteth little. Okay. What it says in the ESV or like another modern word for word translation is while, while bodily training is of some value, <clears throat> godliness is of value in every way. And that I agree with, but it's still valuable. It still holds some value and it holds more value for us today than it did for Paul back then when he was writing that to Timothy, right? It's still valuable. Now, when it comes to deciding between something godly and ungodly, um, take the godly when it's coming, when, when the choice is between something that's spiritually good for you, that God's called you to something spiritually over, uh, physically do it. If God says, go put your body in eminent danger for the Lord in another country, which he has called missionaries to do, do that over exercise. Absolutely. hundred times out of hundred, but for the overwhelming vast majority of us, that is not the decision we're placed with. Most of us, the decision is, do I sit here and watch stream something on Hulu or Prime Video or should I go exercise? That's mostly the choice that you and I are dealt with. It's not, you know, should I go pray for four hours or exercise? If God's called you to go pray for four hours, go pray for four hours, okay? Go do that over exercise, absolutely. But eventually there will be a choice where you have something leisure in which you are not moving to go watch uh, some TV show, um, choose or versus exercise, choose the exercise, okay? Don't make an excuse that you were praying forever and you didn't have time to exercise. If that happens to you, praise God. But you have to eat, don't you? And even if you had no time to exercise because you were praying, you still had to eat. Unless you're fasting for God, in which case, great. But eventually you'll have to eat. When you choose to eat, don't tell me God told you to choose the Five Guys burger over the pasture-raised eggs. Don't tell me God told you to eat the deep-fried Twinkie over the avocado. Just not buying that, okay? There's always a reason why you can't do what God is asking you to do when it comes to stewardship because our, our world is built around all of these addictive foods and they're they're so good and they want you to eat them, but they're not built for your success. They're built for your ultimate failure and to take money out of your pocket, okay? Again, another excuse. And using Bible verses out of, out of context is just, it, it never gets old. And it's always, as someone who's studied this a little bit, you know, I guess I have a master's degree in Bible and theology. It doesn't make me the smartest person in the world. It doesn't make me right in all settings, but it it, it does every now and then pay, you know, it, it was worth the money it cost. And for some of these verses to be pulled out of context 
and used against diet and exercise. While on the same breath, the same person says the Bible doesn't talk about exercise. Well, does it or does it not? Which is it, right? Every now and then it, it, it feels good. Here are five phrases that keep you sick and unhealthy. Okay, I want to give you these five, these five phrases that we often use. Um, to justify uh, eating poorly, and they actually end up hurting us. And here's the first five. Here's the first one. I deserve it. I deserve this. I deserve this. Um, we often say that when we're making ourselves a bowl of ice cream or we're going and getting the slice of chocolate cake or we're ordering the big pizza. Now, I'm not going to sit here and be Debbie Downer and tell you never to eat junk. I personally wouldn't, but I'm not going to tell you not to do that. I'm going to say a phrase like, I deserve it, holds you back um, from living the best life possible, from living a long time, from feeling a good time, from performing at a high level. And I believe you, who's made in God's image, deserves far more than indulging in junk that big companies have developed to get you addicted, to prey upon you. I believe you deserve more. I believe you deserve a long life. I, bra- I believe you deserve to feel good and perform at a high level for your life. I believe you deserve to be here for your kids and your grandkids. I believe you're here, you, you deserve to walk your daughter down the aisle. I believe you deserve to dance with your son at his wedding. I believe you deserve to be able to pick up your grandchildren. I, that's what I believe you deserve. So when you say I deserve it, I think you deserve more than the food is offering you. Okay. Second phrase that keeps you sick and unhealthy, all things in moderation. Oh man, if you follow my channel, you know how I dislike this phrase. I People quote all things in moderation as if it's a Bible verse. It is not a Bible verse, all things in moderation. That is something that someone made up a long time ago to justify you being able to eat whatever you want. You know who loves the phrase all things in moderation? Coca-Cola. Because they put these little calorie numbers on the back of your soda. So you can look at that and go, hmm, okay, I've got 2,500 calories today or whatever. And this one costs me 120 today or whatever. All things in moderation. I'll have a little of everything, right? That's who loves it. And you know what all things in moderation gets you? Chronic disease. It gets you diabetes. It gets you heart disease. It gets you hypertension. It gets you autoimmune conditions caused by diet. It gets you asthma. It gets you dementia. That's what all things in moderation gets you. High blood sugar, all these different things. High, all things in moderation is normal. And guess what? 160 million people are diabetic or pre-diabetic in America. Normal is sick and unhealthy and not feeling good and is tired at in the middle of the day because of their diet. That's what all things in moderation gets you. You should not have all things in moderation. You don't, in fact, have all things in moderation. There are many things you cut from your diet, right? You cut cyanide from your, you cut lead from your diet. You don't eat some certain things that you know are poison. I would say that there are lots of food that are killing you, not fast, but slow. And those things you're having in moderation are actually killing you. Next phrase, I'll start this diet next week. Now, some people say this is a joke, but the funny thing about next week is it's always a week away. And the best day to start getting healthy and to start caring for your body is today. So finish up your meal, whatever it is now, and start with your next meal, caring about your body and caring about your longevity and caring about um, 
being here for your children and living a good life and performing well at your job or your school and perform and being there and being good, looking good for your spouse for the long game. Okay. Start this diet next week. Now start it today and don't call it a diet because the word diet even, um, presupposes that eventually it ends. And I don't want that to end for you. I want you to choose a lifestyle of eating that will last a long time. Okay. Fourth phrase that keeps you sick and unhealthy. Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. Now, this is a phrase we we use to justify sometimes eating junk and maybe even drinking alcohol in excess. And um, I would argue that destroying your vessel that God gave you to celebrate is an odd way to celebrate. I would. I that's what I would say. I would say if you want to celebrate, celebrate with a delicious grass-fed steak. That's how you celebrate. I would celebrate with a delicious piece of pastured bacon and maybe even um, some delicious treats that your spouse bakes up for you with good ingredients, with monk fruit and with the right types of flowers that are healthy with coconut flour and and good sweeteners, again, like monk fruit, but also grass-fed butter in there. Celebrate with that. Celebrate with a big bowl of cream, heavy cream from a raw from raw dairy with some sweetener and some delicious berries. That sounds like a, a celebration to me. What doesn't sound like a celebration is eating a giant Costco pizza and have, having a hangover the next day um, and or having a real hangover from whiskey or tequila. That doesn't sound like a celebration. That sounds like torture. Last thing, last phrase that keeps you sick and unhealthy, this will help me feel better. Right, that's a mental one we say to ourselves. Like, oh, I just need to, I need to indulge. I need to drown my sorrows in something. Listen, you might get a temporary solve to a chronic problem that you've had for a long time, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, where you are chronically depressed and cro- chronically frustrated with your life and chronically sad, and thinking that eating will help you feel better um, is just delaying out the inevitable solve of an addiction that you probably have or a, an unprocessed traumatic event or an unprocessed emotion that you don't know how to feel. So this will help me feel better. The problem is it will help you feel better temporarily, but again, like anyone with an addiction, whether it's food addiction or alcohol addiction or pornography addiction or any kind of addiction, addiction into intensity or addiction to hard things, it'll help you feel better for a moment and then you'll feel worse later and you'll need more and more and more going forward in order to make yourself feel better. That phrase keeps you sick and unhealthy. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed this rant of a podcast. Uh, if you liked this show, would you do me a favor? Subscribe to the channel, uh, follow on Spotify or any of the other podcast solutions. Share this with a friend that maybe has one of these objections, right? Share this with a friend that is unhealthy, um, but um, is loves Jesus. Share it with a friend like that, so that way they can get integrated and aligned, so they can start living a life that's mind, body, spirit, totally integrated in worship to Jesus. I'll see you guys on the next one. One more thing, the statements in this video or audio have not been evaluated by the FDA, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Information provided here is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The information provided by this website and or by this podcast is not a substitute for a physician visit and should not be taken as medical advice of any sort or kind. This is a list of resources for further self-research and work with your personal physician if needed. 
by using any of this information, by watching, listening, or reading it, you are accepting responsibility for your own health and health decisions and expressly release this podcast, its participants, and its websites from any and all liability whatsoever, including that which might come from negligence. Also, don't smoke cigarettes, don't do drugs, stay in school, don't touch hot surfaces, and please wear your safety glasses when cutting wood.